Welcome to the Exploring Leadership Podcast, where we interview experienced HR leaders and executives to define what the most effective leaders are made of and how to help underperforming leaders transform into the best they can be. Brought to you by Lumen Leadership. Now, here's your host, Spencer Taylor. Hey, welcome, welcome. So glad you could join us for this episode of the Exploring Leadership Show. Uh, my guest today is Kate Carney, who hails from Bayshore, New York. Uh, Kate has had a, an amazing career up to this point. She's been in lots of different roles uh, with larger companies. She's run her own practice for a period of time. And I believe as of this coming Monday, of course, you're, you're listening to this at some point in the future. Uh, but here in May 2021, uh, she's taking on the role of, as the learning and development manager for 1-800-Flowers. She's just an abundance of knowledge and wisdom, um, a great source of uh, a perspective. We talked about that after we stopped our episode or stopped the recording, just talked about how one of the benefits that, uh, that she has brought us today, you'll hear here shortly, is just her perspective of uh, that larger organizational view, the independent business owner, as well as kind of the middle market and lots of touch points in between. So really excited for you to hear from Kate, grateful to her for taking the time with me today. And we'll jump right in, into the interview. Well, Kate, thank you for taking time with me. I'm really excited for our conversation. We did a little bit of uh, planning ahead of time and just some really cool topics we're going to dive into today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Before we hear more, I guess not formally, but uh, the details of you, mm-hmm. um, you've had quite a series of, of different, uh, I guess, different experiences in life in terms of you've been a small business owner, uh, you've been executive level, like leader and things like that. And now you're about to move into a new role, uh, learning design manager for 1-800-Flowers. Um, I'd love to just kind of hear your thoughts on like different challenges and things that have come through moving through those variations. Cause it's way different to run your own practice compared to yeah. working for a bigger company. So what, tell me about that if you would. Sure. I mean, you know, one of the ways I've, I've approached, I guess you could call it my career journey is I have this common thread that that goes through and it always kind of circles back to learning and development and communication. And I have done everything literally from carrying brains in buckets up and down First Avenue to put myself through college while I was doing Alzheimer's research. I am a cover model on Dementia Magazine, just saying my my hippocampus was the normal version on the scan. Um, wow, that's quite a claim yeah, to fame right there. Yeah, right. And <laughs> all the way through doing commercial real estate in New York City um, and legal publishing, logistics, higher education, and moving into my own practice, you know, all of it has had that common thread. Um, you know, skills are transferable to to many different types of roles, even if you're going in and out. So I've done marketing, business development, learning and development, training. Um, a lot of skills cover through there. And I would say the biggest one is communication and being able to train and transfer knowledge. And I know that's kind of one of the things we had talked about in in some of our preps. So um, transferring knowledge, I think, is a huge piece of it and sharing it. So those are my common threads that go through. And then, you know, transferring from um, larger organizations into my own practice, huge transfer, uh, big shift, big change, but 
I think what I was able to do was give myself space, learn from myself in a lot of ways and what I was able to accomplish and do and you know, oh, oh yeah, I guess I do know that. You know, you you have these um you know, when you're in a larger organization, there is a bit more of a network around you. Yeah. Um, of whether it be a support network, a sounding board, a you know, a team of people who are helping you. So, you know, when you're doing it all by yourself, you wear all those hats. And I think coming from the the larger organizations where I have worn many hats, that was very helpful to to establish that. And then um also just kind of, wow, I, I actually do have the faith in myself to be able to do this and give it a go. And it was great. That's so awesome. I love it. Uh, one thing that came to mind is just uh, as you were talking about the many hats, uh, you know, there's this phrase, it's lonely at the top. And I think one of the mm-hmm. unique things about running your own practice is that you are the top, the bottom, the sides, the in-between. Like, yes. <laughs> you're everything. Inside, outside, upside yeah. down. <laughs> and, it, and it can be lonely, right? Like it can feel like, yeah. man, you, you are kind of an island for a while at least until you start to build a team and leverage contractors or however you choose to approach it. But exactly. that, uh, dealing with that can be tough. Yeah. And, you know, I, I find the phrase it's lonely at the top to be interesting because my take on it is, well, it doesn't have to be lonely. You know, when you're starting out a solo practice, it doesn't have to be lonely because you build your network. So you already have a network from wherever you're coming from. You know, the way I built my network in in starting my own practice was I made sure I was active in a local organization in the in the Long Island chapter of Association for Talent Development. So There's no loneliness there. We have a great team of people that I work with on the board and, um, you know, family members, friends, anybody who you can have as in in your circle, however big or, you know, small you need that circle to be, doesn't have to be lonely. That's a great point. I love that. I honestly believe that, uh, and I don't have hard data on this, but uh, just interacting with a lot of uh, of small business owners, uh, solopreneurs, as well as uh, executives through the show and different uh, different mediums, I definitely have noticed kind of a just a general correlation between those who really succeed and, th- and thrive and those who kind of flame out and, and probably want to uh, go to do something different. And it, it really has to do with that ability to to tap into and create or join uh, yeah. existing networks and and be be active, be out there, be away from your desk. Uh, I have a coach that uh, that helps me, and he uh, recently, I won't share his exact words, it was just because I can't remember them exactly, but <laughs> he basically says the answer is not in your lap, meaning like yes. you don't just sit there in your office and think, oh, what should I do about this situation I'm in? You should go out there and find the answer because that's where it exists. It's in the marketplace. It's with your prospective client or someone else who's doing similar work to what you're doing or whatever. Like You got to be willing to go out there and get it. Exactly. And also. Um... You know, I'll go back to just one of one of the women I follow, uh, Brene Brown, who said, you know, vulnerability is huge. And I think that you need to be very vulnerable in those situations. You have to say, I don't know this. I need help. 
who can I go to, to for help? You need to have that, you know, that network of people who, who are going to be like, yeah, you're not doing that right. So let's figure out how to do it the right way or to help you get, you know, the answers that you need. So you need that trusted network and you need to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know this. I think that's your first official drop the mic moment. Uh, no. because I, <laughs> I think that's okay. so powerful uh, because, again, just the difference between those who really thrive and excel and, and those mm-hmm. who may, may get stuck uh, is that willingness to say, I actually don't know this. I don't have the answer. I can't guess at it. I need to go out and figure out who I know or who I can get to know that does have the answer. And just that by itself, we could just end the show with that uh, if we wanted to. Of course, we won't. Um, but that is powerful if we can just take that. And of course, that takes yeah. a certain level of humility and a willingness to, again, admit uh, ig- ignorance or lack of, of experience in a certain area. Sure. Anyway, so that's that's great. I love it. So I, I want to I kind of put the cart before the horse a little bit just because we got okay. so much good stuff. But uh, one thing that stood out to me from your intro is you said everything always circles back to learning and development. So now let's hear the story of Kate Carney. Mm-hmm. And why is that the case? Like, what experiences did you have growing up? We'd love to just hear about uh, some of those headlines of, of your life sure. uh, that, that made that the case. Yeah. I mean, I always carry with me um, a phrase that I learned from my dad growing up, which was knowledge is useless unless it's shared. And I think to me, I mean, that's almost like a foundational tenet of learning and development anyway. But I think there is learning in any situation and it doesn't have to be this, you know, grand, you know, aha moment where, you know, the skies open up and the light shines down and it's like, oh my gosh, now I know everything. It's the tiny little things and those build up and and create um, that foundation for everybody. And for me, you know, growing up, I moved around a lot. You know, I went through lots of different changes. And to me, one of the biggest things I learned in that knowledge sharing is I don't know everything. Obviously, when I was a teenager, I knew everything and nobody else knew anything. Right. But, you know, you go through you go through those changes and all of a sudden you do realize I have a huge family. I have four sides. My parents were divorced and remarried. So I have a huge network mm-hmm. anyway. Um, Irish Catholic on one side, lot you know, lots of different nationalities blended in, but the dozens and dozens of cousins is what we call them. And, you know, these are people who are sounding boards in many different ways. And it's fantastic. And so it could be I'm moving to another state, which has happened many times. I've lived in I was I'm from Indiana. I moved to New York. I moved to Massachusetts. I moved back to New York. I lived in London. I moved back to New York. You know, that's a lot of shifting and changing and pivoting or, you know, whichever key buzzword you want it to be. But when you are sharing knowledge in these moments, in these situations, it really helps change perspective. It creates flexibility and agility. It creates moments to go, okay, I need to step back and take a break because I need a pause or else I'm going to lose it. Or I, okay, let's just dive into this and go with it and see what happens and have fun with it or or it's not going to work and that's okay too. 
But when you have that open knowledge sharing and the conversations, the communication, I think it really opens so many doors and possibilities to whatever it is that may come or happen in life and in work and in, you know, relationships and everything that that there is. So with your this lesson from your dad, just about Mm -hmm. this uh, importance of transferring knowledge information or knowledge is useless unless you share it. Um, mm-hmm. That can also lead us to think kind of about that, uh, I guess, the knowledge transfer equation. Like you have, on one hand, you have to have a willingness to learn. Yes. And then you have to find people who are willing to teach and share. So how do you how do you make sure, I guess, that you uh, you wander or walk those right paths that uh, lead to that magical moment of, of a transfer of knowledge? Do you have any thoughts around that? You know, I think... It is wonderful if there is a pull all the time, but sometimes there does need to be a push. It is life, and there are always going to be people who are resistant, but resistance is not futile <laughs> to go the Star Trek route, right? It, it is actually um, beneficial in a lot of ways because resistance can help those who are gung ho with the go forward and let me tell you everything I know, or let's just move this project forward or let's dive right in and go. Resistance can help make you take a step back and go, let's review this one more time. Or is this really working the way we want it to? Why are you resisting? Tell me about it. You know, and that you know, learning happens in little moments too, right? So just a a general back and forth, a communication, a dialogue, right? That's all you need to have learning and it goes both ways. So the person you think you're teaching winds up teaching you as well. And so I think that while it is wonderful to be able to say, I'm going to just teach anybody who wants to be taught or I'm going to share my knowledge with anybody who's ready to absorb all of it. I need to be open as well and ready and not ready at the same time. And, and, you know, again, that goes back to the vulnerability. It goes back to humility. It goes back to just general wanting and being to have that knowledge in some way. I love the emphasis on not just uh, you know, as you're talking about this uh, this principle of tell me about why this is hard for you, why are you resisting, rather than just assuming that that person's not teachable or I need to just move them to a different department or terminate them or, or whatever yeah. because of their perceived lack of willingness. It could be something completely different than than what is perceived, right? Like it might might be a deeper issue there or personal challenges or like I love that you're including the whole person concept, I guess, in kind of embedded in the way you describe that. Yeah. I think one of the things that goes along with knowledge sharing is the fact that when you're sharing, there usually is a two way, just like with communication, right? We were kind of talking a lot about change when, you know, I gave you my, my little backstory. You know, I've been through lots and lots of change in my life. And usually that is where you have people digging their heels in, but you need to have kind of the 360 view. And when you're in an organization, that 360 view has to include all employees. It should never be a top down. It needs to be 
bottom up. It needs to be side to side. You know, it needs to be all of that because though it may be lonely at the top, right? The people on the on the ground, their boots are on the ground. They're they're, you know, I worked in a, a logistics organization and we had a call center. The best ideas came from the call center because they were in the thick of it. They day to day, all the little details, all the little processes, everything that made their job either easy or hard, they were the ones who knew the most. And they were the ones who we were trying, or I, in my role, I was trying to get their knowledge, capture their knowledge in some way, because the minute, if, if they left, if they were unhappy, or if they moved up into another role and assimilated so quickly that, you know, we almost couldn't get their knowledge, then it's lost, right? And there's a lot of tribal knowledge and general knowledge and um, job-specific knowledge in organizations that is so quickly lost if it's not captured. So, um, yeah, I, I think that it is so important that it is a full 360 and a whole person, you know, um, whole, I, I don't even know what the right word, but you need to capture all of that to really share knowledge. Sure. No, absolutely. Great point. Well, I love your comments around the the people in the in the day to day work are the ones mm-hmm. really with the most knowledge. They're the ones living and breathing, whether that's customer facing or internal customer, you know, whatever it is. They're the ones Absolutely. with that knowledge and information. And I, I think the, the other principle that uh, emerged in, as I was listening to you is just that the days of the kind of keep your head down, get your work done, don't ask questions. Those days are gone. Um, you know, there might mm-hmm. be some old companies that still operate that way, but they're not going to be able to continue that for long. And I think that's a beautiful thing. In, on one hand, it's because the the rising generation, um, even my kids, my oldest is almost 19, um, and the, the generation, I guess you could say, just slightly above him, uh, they're just naturally more curious and they're more interested in having a rich experience as opposed to having a rich bank account necessarily. You know, they're much more interested sure. in, in the value of experience. And I think that can actually be leveraged to the benefit of of the organization and the benefit of leaders rather than being seen as like, man, I sure wish they would just keep their head down and get their work done. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when, when we were prepping, one of the things that really stood out that you said is that anybody is a leader. Leadership is not a title. It's not, you know, it's not a role. I used to say this in one of my training programs that I did is that anybody can be a motivator. You know, it doesn't matter your title or your level or your role. It is more of a mindset and how you carry that out and yourself and interact with other people. My core value is kindness. I lead from kindness always. It doesn't matter who I'm working with. And I think for the generation now, you know, I think Gen Z is in the workplace now, right? I think they're going back to alphas after Gen Zs. I think that's the next, you know, (laughs) label of, of, of names, but, um, there is a shift in how knowledge is shared as well with this generation. I mean, they are digital. My my older daughter, when she was five, tried to scroll a page in a magazine, in an actual paper, right? She is so, so it is, it, right? It goes like, that is a huge shift, right? So I think that learning and development and that knowledge sharing also have to, has to shift with that. 
we have to change our modes, modalities, ways of sharing, and also capturing, which is another big thing because we could have a dialogue that is never shared again. And so we have that knowledge, but if it's not captured in some way and shared, then it can be lost. Right. And, and so there's, you know, I don't have the full answer here at all. I know I don't know this, but um, there needs to be a shift in that transfer of knowledge in, and in how learning and development is approaching that going forward. Well, and I, I love that you've you've laid a nice foundation on on a, upon which to build that uh, that uh, evolving and kind of progressive uh, approach to that knowledge transfer because it's again it's not just the old throw the book at someone and expect them to read it oh, and figure yeah. it out or, or whatever like it, it's got to be a living breathing thing that keeps up with the generational preferences and trends and uh, the, the way that people learn right because that's going to continue to change exactly. as we become more and more digital it, it's no longer as simple as checking a book out of the library, so to speak, like, you know, just here's, right. your, here's your answer book. Exactly. I mean, and that's funny that you bring that up. I mean, I, I remember even doing that. I, I actually put a library, physical library <laughs> together at one of the companies and it was all the, you know, the business books, your typical, you know, seven habits and everything, you know, who moved my cheese and, and all of those. And, and it got, you know, a little bit of traction, but it was nothing like putting together an online e-learning or a univer- you know online university but you know even now online universities that's not quite it anymore either you know who wants to sit down for an hour two hours with a digital course and i guess learn from that but i you know what can be taken away and and how and how are they continually like you said updated and and receiving that information Again, I don't have the answer for that, but it does need a shift. Mm-hmm. And I know it's coming. I've seen some some ideas coming out there is popping in there um, in different ways and how, you know, the kind of algorithms and information of, you know, kind of the Netflix style. You watched this, then you might like this, you know. So different ways of approaching people with the type of information that they want and need. but in the modalities and ways that they're now used to. That's that's a lot lot of really good food for thought. I think any leaders listening should be able to take a pause and just kind of reflect on uh, this rapidly, because I think the pace of evolution is increasing as well, uh, along with kind Mm -hmm. of in correlation with the pace of technology that we're going to have to be better at adapting to the preferences uh, of those who are coming into the workforce in the next decade or so. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other the other side of that is that we still have to keep at least one piece of the old. I'm I'm doing air quotes. This is a podcast, but I'm doing air <laughs> yeah. quotes. Um, the kind of old way is simply connecting. Right. And it is harder in the digital age to do that, because in those connections is where you are transferring knowledge to. And that is through organic conversation. You know, team meetings, uh, just general dialogue, having curiosity, even your typical feedback loop, asking questions, but also asking for feedback. These are some of the kind of old school ways, but they're still necessary, right, to have that knowledge transfer and sharing. 
Yeah, such an important reminder. I'm so glad you you added that in there kind of at the end of, of this uh, kind of middle section. Well, so let's say mm-hmm. you've already blessed us with some some takeaways. You talked about leading with, from kindness. I love that at the beginning you shared the knowledge is only useful if it's shared uh, from your dad. Um, what other kind of major takeaways would you like to, to emphasize? And then if you want to transition into uh, kind of the action challenge, what can listeners do to apply at least one of the lessons uh, that you've touched on? Sure. You know, it is so important, the sharing of knowledge, that the conversations that we are losing in, in some ways to the digital age, we need to find new ways to have those conversations, right? And you know, I've, I've seen organizations do, we've done this with, with ATD Long Island as well. ATD is Association for Talent Development. So this is a Long Island chapter. You know, we started Water Cooler Wednesdays. And so it's just an unscripted one hour lunchtime uh, meetup for for people. And it's whoever wants to start a topic can start a topic. I'm dealing with this issue. Does anybody have experience with this? Or what do you think about this topic I was just reading about and run with it? You know, so those types of conversations, I think, are still very necessary. And it's finding a new way to have them because you can't obviously walk up to the water cooler at work anymore in the same way. In some ways you can, and we are moving back to that. So the perfunctory COVID has created this for us you know, discussion, um, I think is actually, you know, in some ways beneficial because it's pushed us in, in that direction and, and has opened up new ways for, for people to have these conversations. I think the other piece is that there has to be a behavioral shift. And some of that is going to be from the top down. And some of that is also going to be generational. Because, quote, air quote again, kids these days share everything, right? But the older school boomers, the just kind of more traditional workplace cultures as well, that has nothing to do with generation. It is more of the a cultural. Um, I think that is where we've seen a lot of silos. You know, we talked about silos as well. And knowledge had that traditional thing around it about I'm going to hold on to my knowledge because that's going to give me an advantage and it's going to keep me, you know, at a higher level. And that way I'll win the promotion because I know more or, you know, whatever the, you know, that the thought process is around it. But what I've seen is silos breaking down when you share knowledge, it creates so much more collaboration. It creates and fosters cultures of learning. It creates and fosters change and it allows change to happen more easily. And that makes organizations more agile and adaptable and easily. So I would say that would be another one of my big takeaways is that knowledge sharing can help break down silos and open up collaboration in organizations. That's awesome. Well, and I, th- I think a lot of uh, about adaptability too, and just listening to you, I know that there's a quote from uh, Charles Darwin that I've uh, enjoyed basically that says, it will not be the strongest that survive, but the one that is most able to adapt. 
And I think yeah. that probably applies here with the organizations that are able to adapt to the, again, generational trend, uh, ability to leverage new technologies for learning the AI side, like the, you, you learned this and maybe now you're interested to learn, you know, that type of, of just uh, real time learning. Like those who don't do that, I think are, are going to end up being kind of left in the dust. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Being able to shift and change and adapt is just major. Well, Kate, thank you. This has been tremendous. Really appreciate you imparting your knowledge with uh, to us and uh, sharing some powerful takeaways and action steps. Um, I'm grateful for you. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Um, I would say LinkedIn. LinkedIn is definitely uh, the easiest way to find me. Um, it's LinkedIn, Kate D, D like in dog, Carney or Delta, I should say, right? Uh, and um, it, just put a note put a note in there why you want to connect and, and how we can work together or network or, you know, how we can help each other and share knowledge. Okay. Terrific. We will, if it's all right with you, we'll also put your link in the show notes. So it's easy sure. for people to, to find you on LinkedIn. And again, just so grateful for you. Good luck in the new role. Uh, excited Thank you to hear so how much. that goes and maybe we'll do a, a follow-up episode and after you're into that a little bit and hear how it's going. Oh, I'd love to. That's great. Thank you. One of my key takeaways from what Kate talked about today is the importance and value of taking time to understand the person, uh, understanding where they are in a given moment. Uh, Again, in the example that uh, we discussed briefly of uh, someone not understanding or maybe even being resistant to learning, there's a perception there that they're kind of closed off to to new knowledge and and, uh, pursuing new opportunities pausing long enough to understand the person. Uh, what do they have going on? Um, I've been amazed at the the things that can happen that, that uh, always seem to happen when there is that willingness to pause uh, rather than just jumping right to judgment and, uh, and believing that you have the exact right view of the situation. Um, another kind of a little bit of an oblique example here. Um, a few years ago, I was working with a leader who was struggling with, with her leader um, and the relationship was just really tense. And it might have felt like a situation where there, we kind of needed a silver bullet, some type of magic uh, series of actions to, to fix the situation. Uh, but honestly, the thing that worked as we worked, as we talked through it, uh, was simply getting to know the other person, getting to know their background, the things that make them who they are, the hard things they've been through that might cause them to sometimes put up walls, you know, things like that. Just understanding the human, the, the, the individual person uh, in a given situation. Um, and again, that, that can apply to kind of the learning development world that Kate spends a lot of her time in, can apply to executive leadership. It can even apply to understanding your, your CEO, if that's who you report to. Uh, just taking enough time to look at the individual and understand them. So I'm grateful to Kate for her wisdom, things that she shared with us. I'm confident you have at least one thing you can take with you, kind of take to the bank, so to speak, and apply immediately. And welcome your feedback as always. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Exploring Leadership Podcast. To access free videos, leadership tools, case studies, tutorials, and more about how to engage your leaders at the next level, visit lumenleader.com. We'll see you next time.